are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmob09, Rachel Burt, Charity, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash Punky Brewster, that's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R, we missed you, God damn it! don't ever leave again. Today we're here to talk about the fifth episode of Fear of the Walking Dead's eighth and final season, titled more time than you know for the next few days in our merch store because it's a new shop item you will be able to get our new design which is basically kirk manley's tribute fan art to squawking dead it's a comic book cover style adaptation of the four of us commissioned by eliza and i got permission to actually make merch out of it kirk was a super stellar dude we knew he would say yes just you have to do it you have to you have to ask and to make sure it's all kosher. Obviously, we're all sad. Am I wrong for saying that? No, we're sad. all sad. I liked Grace. Sad. No, we're all yep. sad. We're all sad. <laughs> it sounded like Rachel. Okay. I don't know. I thought the episode was pretty decent. I don't think anything was going to be able to top last week's episode because last week's episode I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, I don't know how this one's going to go. Is it, are we going to go right back to like how it's been before this? But we didn't. It was kind of like a middle ground in between. It wasn't as good as last week's, I don't think, but it wasn't as, I don't want to say bad. It wasn't as <laughs> mediocre as the weeks prior. You're referring to the first and third, essentially, as mm. they've gone. One, three, five, the checkerboard kind of yeah. style of episodes. Yeah. Which your thing about that, we did have the different music again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's one, mm-hmm. three, five still with at least with the music in the title card. And it was more ensemble focused. Yes. Yeah. There were more characters mm-hmm. that we got to see, a lot which more. I enjoyed. Honestly, the acting wasn't subpar from anyone. I don't think. Do you think this was like a kind of a sequel to the last one? Do they that they pair well, that they have a sort of symmetry to yes. them? Yes. It brought Morgan's story full circle. Well, it's like also baby Moe's going through the same thing Morgan did in a sense. Like not yeah. giving up on something. <laughs> yeah, she's in years. clear mode now. <laughs> Except she's 13 hours, he's 13 years. She's like, I can, I can clear it, <laughs> she said. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. It comes, she comes by that, honestly. Takes after old dad. <laughs> Pappy Morgan. Should I say what my favorite line was? Yeah, why not? Oh, my God. Okay. So it's the part at the near the end. <laughs> I can't. Okay, where, where Shrike trips Morgan and he falls. And he goes, what and then, the? Then, no, Sorry. it's not a what the. I wish it was. But he's like, you won't kill me. And she's like, why do you think that? <laughs> I can't die. Don't die. I laughed so hard. I was like, what? It was so funny to me. I so badly just wanted someone to like shoot him in the head. Not because I wanted him to like die in that moment, but just be like, um, yes, you can. Boom. <laughs> and then he's dead. <laughs> See, Rachel, then he wouldn't. And then you have to deal with annoying Morgan just recovering. Like, just like ricochet. I don't die. It would like skim his forehead. They would like miss. And he would just have like right. a wound. Hit the rail or something and ricochet and then kill her. See, kill I told you. Said. I don't die. die. I don't know. have to think about why that is. It was really funny to me. I just, it cracked me up. As funny as her retort is to that line, by the way, in a sense, maybe you should take a time out basically and think about why that uh-huh. is. But I actually really liked it. It's like a signal to the audience to say, well, audience, why do you think after seeing these last two episodes, why that is? But what did you think, Rachel? Let's, we'll go, I'm going left to right according to my screen. What did you think of this episode overall? 
having seen it only just now. <laughs> yeah, I literally just watched it like an hour ago. I really, really liked it. It was like a step up from the last episode. I okay. cried a little. I cried a little. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely teared up. It, uh, it got me up all up in my feels. I really like Grace. And even though I'm still not going to admit she's Mo's real mother, I will admit that there was a connection. There was, like there was something there. Like I got it the first time. There was something there, and um, <laughs> and it was it was really sweet. What? I'm not no, gonna I change my mind. Laughing actually. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some sort of connection. <laughs> it's like okay, she's not a mom, but <laughs> she's not a mom, and to some anti that she's not. A, I mean, but I'll admit she has a connection yeah. of some kind. Maybe yeah. it's small. You know, Just maybe there's some quantum physics involved, but definitely not her mom. I will also agree with. Bridget, the acting was really well done this episode, too. I don't know what's going on in my brain or if it's just actually happening, but Zoe Marchant, am I saying that Merchant. right? Marchant. M-E-R, Merchant. Okay. She did really, really good. Not only her dialogue, but her facial expressions, the way she expressed emotion during non-dialogue was really well done. Partly, you know, kind of what got me in the feels. I think everybody did a really good job. Do you in some ways sort of identify with Mo? in a sense, because you're dealing with the possible loss of a parent, in a sense. I'm, I know I'm pushing a little bit of buttons, but sometimes we gravitate towards certain characters because of our personal background and affinity. And so feeling that there's got to be something we can do. There's got to be something we can do for mom. You know, it didn't really help that Grace specifically was dealing with cancer, and that's exactly what I lost my dad to. So maybe on a like subconscious level, I don't think that it was like at the forefront of my mind, but... Way to bring that up, Dave. Yeah, thanks. You could have said, I'll abstain from this one. Way to go. Way to get Rachel. My also, sign? my dad also died of cancer. So thanks, you dick. For this is, every time I do something like this, I'll bring up, I tolerate you so hard. <laughs> you still have that. Of course I do. I hate you. I hate you, JK. I hate you. Just kidding. <laughs> I, have, I have my tools now. I have my little signs for myself. Don't ask that question. <laughs> if you do, bring up the sign. <laughs> tit for tat i'll tell you i don't know what it is about morgan that sometimes i identify with some of the things he does like apologizing when he doesn't have to apologize of course that's me or i have this weird thing about sons and fathers and relationships with sons and fathers that i see even just saying that gets me for some reason that's a lot of the reason why i love that character no i i get that though that struggle is real yeah. and the fact that it's so realistic for what beyond the whole scribbling on walls and all that stuff and maybe that's just an expression of what it feels like to lose a child and have to deal with it in this kind of world but so even put that aside it his struggle is realistic to me more than anybody else's i didn't lose like a full-grown kid i had miscarriages i went crazy dave i cannot imagine what that would be like as stupid as we all tend to think it is, is as dumb as we're all like, oh, great. Clear Morgan's back. Great. This is the thing. Someone clarified the other day. His name is he's on TikTok. His name is Cookie TWD. He's like a young guy who posts a lot about fear specifically right now because it's on. And he said the other day, I just have to clear up the fact that we have not seen Clear Morgan since Walking Dead. Yeah. Season three, I want to say. But it feels like it's somehow it still feels like it's overdone because it became such a meme because it became something that we like joke about so frequently. It's like it lost the weightiness of, of like what it actually means. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, great. Even with that, I can't imagine how horrible that would be. 
to live with your child having died really violently right in front of you. Dude, of course he snapped. Yeah, of course he's writing all so over the walls. Like, yeah, man, if that's what gets you through, then fine. Then write all over the walls. Who cares? I should bring up also that Jeffrey T. Walking D World on Twitter had brought up that Dwayne has been undead for just as long as amount of time that he was alive by the time Morgan gets to him, which is probably the most heartbreaking thing of all. And well, the most undead to record person that we know that has survived as an undead for that long. Maybe to further refine on what you just said, do you think that the show is in some ways dialing in finally a little bit more on what it means for Morgan to clear, let's say, why it happens? I think it'd be interesting to get that psychological data, I guess you could call it, just to see. Because like all we've really seen is when he went off the rails and killed that father and son right out in the woods. Isn't that the Eastman episode? Yeah, he killed the father and son as he was going through the woods and then he oh, met up with He was out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a parallel for the wolves at that time. Yeah. Other than the episode where Michonne and Carl and Rick go back to King County looking for guns and then Carl wants to go search the bar for a photo for Judith. We see Clear Morgan there. He's clearly cognizant because we get the, the mention to the peanut butter protein bar later a long time later so (laughs) so he's clearly aware like enough to know what's going on but i don't know because i don't want them to overdo it and then it becomes just a trope that they created in the show for this one character to just continually do this over and over again i think it's a very relatable thing to do though me personally when i go through tragedy or anything my instinct is to throw myself into work to stay busy keep my mind off of this thing that is causing me stress or whatever it is and when you don't have a literal job to go to it's kind of hard to keep your mind busy so you kill walkers i guess Mm. and people and people because you can't tell the difference when you're crazy or alive Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah when you're in that state of mind maybe you can't tell the difference or maybe you don't care If the preview to the next episode is in any indication of like what he visually sees, I totally get it because that was wild. If I lost my kid, I don't think I would care about killing the living. I've already lost everything. So why would I care? Sounds terrible, but that's the state of mind I would be in. Yeah. Well, on that high note, (laughs) Charity, what do you got for us? Okay, I'm not going to say that I like that Grace died because I don't like that Grace died. But well, right. The most well done part of the episode because I feel like the rest of it was just really draggy and slow and little Mo, God love her. She's doing the best she can with what they're giving her, but she must've said it's my fault 15 times in 15 different places. Like girl, it's my fault. You didn't get to do this. It's my fault. You didn't get to do that. I mean, I understand where they're going with the story, but it was just so repetitive, you, you know, well, it was the same the thing end. over and over. And over. It was just slow and draggy to me. I did not like it. It wasn't the worst episode I've ever seen. It, it was okay. It was fun seeing Grace come back as a walker. Yeah, 100%. But <laughs> she did a really good job. There was a lot of callbacks I liked, too. Everybody was complaining about Morgan running past Strike instead of knocking her down on the railroad tracks. And I think that was a callback to when Nick tried to run away from Morgan in 403 and Morgan tripped him up with a stick. And he tried to run by him and Morgan just tripped him up. So I th- I, I'm not going to complain about that because I think that was a callback. Also, we wouldn't have gotten the best line had it not happened that way. <laughs> yeah. From a storytelling standpoint, you just knocked out a bunch of kids, but you're not going to knock out the fucking lady that's leading them. That's the whole problem. You're just going to try to run past her while she's and holding she a weapon. weapon. It's so dumb. I'm just very fed up with the very shoddy writing this season. Like, it might it's be just his ridiculous vision. things. 
because in the next episode you see he can't see he's got like tunnel vision so maybe all he can <laughs> see up, is Dave. he's got literal tunnel all, <laughs> all he can see is is uh baby mo and doesn't see his peripherals if he doesn't want to kill her that's fine no but he he's didn't see her physically just like jesus told you <laughs> well finch can knock her out morgan can definitely knock her out chimney sweep the writing is just so sloppy i'll definitely see that point I can agree that it was a little slow building. While I was watching it, it did make me feel like I was back in Tyrese's episode. Walking More Tyrese, dead. less Carl. Is that what you're More going Tyrese, for? More Tyrese, less Carl. I will yeah. say this. The canoe was actually moving in the water. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna like bring in, that up too. Not like in 405. <laughs> so this is just the way they filmed it in 405, Laura? In Laura, John's paddling and everything, but the boat is just completely still. It's not moving wa- at all. The water, the water around it is still. It's one of those, once you see it, you can't uh, ever you unsee it. it. I don't know who it was. I apologize if it was one of you guys. But somebody sent me a Kermit the Frog in the swamp. Oh, the Rainbow Connection? That's what I feel like. I feel like oh. Kermit. I feel like Kermit ought to be showing up anytime. From the Muppet movie, the beginning? It was Aiden. Yeah. Aiden goes, Morgan be like, we have to hurry. And then he's like, and then Morgan be like, Kermit sitting in the swamp. <laughs> that, that reminds me of the beer bottle balloon thing that I put the music behind. But anyway, we'll we'll go back to that or something. <laughs> it's all the Muppet the tie-ins. All the Muppets tie-ins. It's a, it's a squawking dead callback. Anyway, <laughs> I actually kind of liked the moments you're talking about with Grace. As much as I don't like a draggy episode as well, and I, I didn't like Carl's death because it just felt like well of course it took over the course of an episode and a half to and i think actually two full episodes to complete and i did like tyrese's episode but i did feel what you were feeling about that how it's almost unfair right to do that tribute for one character but on the other hand i thought shut your mouth it's the best episode she had the double stuffed oreo stacked (laughs) cards against her so i had predicted against and i asked the question twice last episode do you think grace is going to make it and i still couldn't because I, I wanted to see where i was at by the end of the episode but i still thought her days were numbered and for this episode it was actually important for them to relay to everybody and morgan got it sooner than mo obviously mo got it way too late that sometimes we have to accept the hand we're dealt but at the end of the day i do think that grace doesn't regret the time she spent with her let me go back also to those specific scenes because every scene in this episode starts with Grace looking up from wherever she is, whether it be a boat, back of a car, another boat (laughs) going down the stream. And then even the one time with the radiotherapy gantry that June Mm. mentioned over her. And last scene is Grace, maybe in spirit, maybe in body only, looking up as Morgan shuts her eyes for the last time. And I do think there's something very touching about that, that the show did in ways which is more like a show don't tell, less is more, what does this mean? That we're all, that maybe the show is telling people to look up and appreciate where you're at, where you are. And maybe it's not about the radio repeater tower home she was trying to build with Mo, that maybe where you are is where you should be living. Not trying to prepare the things from the past to kind of try to relive that and give you something. What we were offered before the fall, that there's like some sort of happy medium between what Grace was trying to give baby Mo and what, what Mo was trying to give Grace. And so like, oh, I need you to live. And Grace is like, no, we have to go to the past so that I can give you this place so that you can we can spend time together here. 
And the show is well, kind of saying, well, that, but the where you're at is where it should be. It's, it's between Shrike's future and Grace's future, right? Like somewhere in between there is the right happy medium. Life without parents, never feel any pain because that's ridiculous and doesn't make any sense. But OK, Shrike. And Grace's will go back to how things used to be. Somewhere in between there is where the happy medium is. Yeah, that's another way of looking at it, too. Sure. I don't think so much like that, that Grace one, is trying to revisit the past is more that she's always had this dream of being able to spend time with her daughter, be it Athena or Mo, in some kind of home. And this is the only home she has available to give her. I know she kind of said that, but I don't think that's really where she was trying to go with it. It was a dream they could share, but I don't necessarily think it was her trying to take Mo back to the past. That in and of itself, her doing that is a callback to season five where she was collecting all these things mm-hmm. in the back of the truck. And even at that time, I think I compared it to Alpha building a baby bird's nest for Lydia. We have the analogy of the birds and isn't Grace in her own way trying to make a nest for her bird. Same playbook, different approach. It's also a callback to Morgan's water tower in season six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. He had it lined like a nest with mattresses and blankets. Mm -hmm. For the sound, but yeah. With leaves on them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Trivia question. How many leaves are on the blanket? <laughs> oh, God. How many toenails, rusty toenails, does Strand have with his socks on? When they were showing us those shots of Grace opening her eyes and looking up to the sky or whatever, it made me, it reminded me of Charity's favorite episode in Dreams. <laughs> when she wakes up in the dream and she's looking up in the trees. That episode can definitely be interpreted a lot of ways. I don't know if maybe she was in some parallel world where she was in between life and death where she could spend time with Athena. I'd like to believe that that it wasn't just a fever dream that she was imagining but maybe she really was someplace getting to spend time with this unborn child of hers and every time she opened her eyes I almost got the feeling like Grace was wanting to be there. She Mm. was waiting for that to happen so that she could go back to that place. And yet some people have fever dreams it's what we called it. Mm -hmm. And so this was her version of that in reality. At the end of the day, that episode played out the same way. She got to spend time with her daughter. I, too, kind of struggled with this episode in a sense where there's the obvious logical part of me that wishes to be on Mo's side. Do everything you can to save who you can as long as you can. It's like the Rick part of you. You've you've watched Mm -hmm. the show as long as you have. That changes, hopefully, because you really can't exist watching the show with that attitude for very long. Well, it's a child's perspective versus an adult's perspective. Sure. She I'm doesn't have the knowledge that an adult would have to know. Even adults sometimes. I mean, well, yeah, we can hope. have hope. Like hope isn't a bad thing. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> I'm dead then. I'm just <laughs> Listen, honey, dead I am in the same spot as you. I'm like <laughs> d- I default to this idea. She's dying right there choking I on am. the hope. Having you hope. gave me a computer <laughs> no, virus I still last have week. that cough. <laughs> I still have the cough. Oh, you have the uh, Finch it cough. Won't go away. Yeah, I have the Finch cough. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> So, oh, it makes me so mad. The writers made me root for that, man. A kid. It's not okay. Yeah, so I struggled sometimes with this episode, siding with Mo in a sense, but like that guarded siding, you want to agree, but you lived in this universe so long that you know that even I called it last week, she's not going to make it. So what? how do I feel about Mo pushing beyond hope and beyond the advice of her parents to not do this? But Dave, if she had been right... Payoff. I can't fault her no. for doing that. And I, I don't really either. Can't. 
And I get it. I'm an adult and I've lived in the world. And so I'm like, oh, kid, let it go. <laughs> she was dying of cancer, man. She's like, she's really gone. But when my dad was in the hospital, like on his deathbed, I'm like, well, you never know. Miracles happen because you just don't want to face that reality, right? You don't want to face that it's happening. You just can't. And so I cannot fault an eight-year-old kid for She's doing got that. someone who's recovering right in front of her. As an example. So, uh, supposedly. Sure. Yes. Because as far as she knows, up until that time, she thinks Finch is fine yep. because Finch has been responding well. So why wouldn't she have the hope that Grace would be okay too? Right. Do you think that also she's in some ways angry at Morgan for giving up at, at that one point where he goes to the carnival area? Where he's like, oh, let's go to the carnival area where I have the houseboat yes. and everything. Yes. From experience, Dave. Yes. Yeah. Something to bring up because it's not obvious. She's upset. That was a really good piece of acting from her. That facial expression that she has when he's like, take care of your mom. And she just looks so upset and hurt, but she's pissed. She's angry. Almost like, I'll show you, Morgan. Yeah. In her own, you know, more, more way. Like, okay, let's wait till he goes. And let's go to the train. <laughs> so let's go. To I want to go to Finch for a sec because it turns out, yes, his infection is back, et cetera, et cetera. We have to ask the same question we asked in the last episode in this one. And that is, do you think Finch is going to make it? And this is a tough one, especially considering... We just talked about Mo and her attitude and her like never give up, never surrender. I don't even want to go there. Why did the writers do this to, to us? Why? What is the end game here? Either this kid dies and then I get what I want that I don't want to cure because that's stupid. Or two, he lives and now a cure exists in this universe. Okay, well, we'll just take away all threats and then there's no interest in this anymore. What's your plan for the future? Because, well, now the shows are just going to be over because I'm no longer interested if there's a cure. That's dumb. Well, I guess the, then it's just you spreading the cure around. Great. Well, just like an, an amputation, it has to be done at a specific time before the infection spreads beyond the amputation point. So you could see the radiotherapy a lot like that. The conditions have to be such that you get them right away. The radiation dosage has to be fine enough. Yeah, but we know enough. how this show, these show, I should say these shows operate. They will use that then as like a plot device just whenever they feel like it. And I'm just not okay with that. That's what I was going to say. There's no telling with this show because it's so inconsistent. Fear of two years ago, they would have figured out some way to save Finch. Nope problem fear mm. now i don't know maybe aliens are gonna come and fucking take everybody away or some shit i have no idea aliens. there's no telling would it be beyond yeah. the pale on this show no look it's some fucking aliens coming we can save us they have a cure <laughs> and the aliens I... have the cure <laughs> I, can't. I don't think the writing is that far out there but i think it's always a good thing to throw in a problem into your series or season that needs a solution or they need some more explanation. And we are getting it in this episode. It seems like this thing that we threw out there isn't quite the great white hope that it is brought out to be. Let's Good, say. but now I'm rooting for a kid to die. But it could be something like it's not a cure. Like they said, it's a treatment. So even right. if you don't die, you still have to go and get irradiated every week or something like that. And you're still not 100% healthy and a whole person. You're not cured. You're not going to die. You're somewhere in between. You still have to endure basically chemotherapy. Perhaps indefinitely. Forever. It keeps you alive and existing, but... All because some it's bitch really with a, a bad haircut had to make a point. But there's always a dumb bitch who has to make a point on these shows, too, by the way. The governor. Liar. And then <laughs> Negan. Mm, he made two Alpha. points. 
Alpha, that's right. So there is another dumb bitch in the universe trying to make a point, which classically, at least in this scenario, you do Martha. get to see both sides of Shrike. The, al- the altruistic side, Martha. Well, she, yeah, maybe. But the she was ultimate. more out there. She didn't. Her point was don't help people. We were talking about Morgan clearing. That's just what Martha <laughs> was doing. So why was it so cool for Morgan to do it? But she was a horrible, terrible bitch because she was doing I it. never liked clear Morgan. Dirty Martha's Martha. the anti-Shrike. <laughs> Patron saint of dumb bitches and clearing. <laughs> Agent saint of dumb bitches and clearing. I like it. But that was really the whole point. That's why Martha understood Morgan more than anybody else, you know, in her own way. But going back to Shrike, she is more of a classic Walking Dead villain, in a sense, where her motivations are are altruistic, but she's kind of full of shit, high on her own supply. Yeah. She doesn't even know what's in those containers. Can we be honest about that? She's never seen inside there. She has no idea. They could be empty for all she knows. Maybe. In fact, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very possible. But I think she believes, which would be completely iron, unironic, that she believes so much in the vision that she loses the forest for the trees. Maybe like her father or maybe like the kids. Mm-hmm. She is who she is brainwashing to. By the end of this episode, I actually liked the character Shrike a little bit more. I don't mean I like her and I'm rooting for her. Before, it was kind of like I'm baffled by this character. But by the end of this episode, I see how well she's manipulated, or at least the writers wrote a way to manipulate both Mo and Morgan in such a fashion that she got her clear Morgan. What I think she was rooting for Morgan to go clear. And she's also rooting for Mo to come back to the fold. And she got both of those things in one fell swoop. Whether, why are you shaking your head? That was the point I was going to bring up. I don't know that she ever actually wanted Morgan involved. She needed Mo and the other kids to think that it was their idea to go clear that shipyard. I agree to that. Sure. She doesn't seem bright enough to have put that together from the beginning. Like she couldn't have master (laughs) manipulated this whole thing. But the smile that she gives when Mo is like, I can clear it and like goes to the other kids and is like, we can do it together. This is what we were taught for. I was like, dude, you're falling right into this trap. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is so obvious that she wanted you to do this because she said it at the shipyard. We trained the prefect for this. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of dropped that. So it's like, well, that's weird because now she's asking Morgan to do it. That doesn't really make any sense. She said she wanted the prefects to do it. There is something to that. She manipulated that situation. Yeah. So I don't know that she honestly wanted Morgan ever to go do it. No, you're right. But I think if she could get that as a bonus, I think more power to my plan. Like, I don't think she intended it, but if she could get make that happen. I think Morgan and his people and whoever else he could gather up would be more expendable than the kids. The right? kids, sure. Wouldn't she rather have them die than the kids? So maybe she just saw an opportunity to, to send someone else there instead of the kids. And then by the end, it flipped back. And she's like, well... That's what I wanted in the first place. So we're good. Win-win. And we do have to remember the end of that (laughs) episode, Odessa, where she does say to Crane only, this is what they trained for. And so maybe Mm -hmm. she got what she was intending to from the beginning. I don't know, but let's just extrapolate that if she could maybe not have the kids do it, that would be great. But if she can manipulate the kids to want to do it, Mm -hmm. that's what she wanted. And again, I don't know her motivations completely, but whatever I'm seeing right now, I actually kind of, I'm not saying I like it, her, meaning I don't like her as a character as a, oh, I'm rooting for you. No, but I, I can applaud this level of writing that there is some interesting psychology going on here. And there's some like 3D chess that's going on here that she's 
purportedly putting out there that is working outside of Morgan not knocking her out. Again, this would be the third episode in a row that she would get knocked out. So maybe the, too much brain damage. I don't know. But in her tripping him up at the end, <laughs> outside of that, I think it's good. It reminded me a lot of Virginia manipulating Strand and Alicia and everybody to clear the walkers at the molasses, molasses. factory. Fuck. Nice. Okay. Second, why don't y'all just get a fucking boat and cut a hole in the fence and lead the walkers out into the water where they drown? Or that would be like season two. Get them in a car and open up the gate and lead them away. Why do you have to kill them all? I don't have a thing with killing walkers. I'm just saying walkers are not smart. In The Walking Dead, they let them off a fucking cliff and they just kept walking off the cliff until they all died. So why can't you have them walk out into the water and all drown? More to your point, okay, she's worried about a bullet going through one of these containers. So lead them out and then shoot them all. She has a big ass fucking gun pointed at them right now. Yeah. Lead them out and then shoot them when they're far enough away from the shipping containers. We said the same thing in in season five at the end when they led all the walkers out. Because they had to call Virginia to have her save them, but then they just cleared all the walkers anyway because they just let them away. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they all wash down mm-hmm. the river. Is it so she can test the kids or some shit? Because otherwise, why would you risk all the kids when you could just lead them away and kill them out in the open or some shit? Yeah, it's like she wants to make sure like this batch is like worth her time or something. I don't well, know. I think you honestly <laughs> answered your own question because it does go back to what she says at the end of the episode. But furthermore, I think part of that conversation with Crane was also that we're flying the coop. For all we know, she doesn't give a shit about the containers. What a pun, Dave. (laughs) Fly in the coop. Fly in the coop. I thought it was going to glide past that one. (laughs) Yikes. We don't know her real motivation. You have these huge containers. It's a quagmire. If you're going to leave, how are you going to take all those huge ass containers with you? I know she said she wants, they're using it to seed other families and whatnot, but how are you going to get them to anybody? And if you're leaving, what are you going to do with them? So you're going to clear the walkers out and then just leave the containers there? Well, Madison said, where are they getting the gas? (laughs) Where are they getting the gas? From the CRM. God, guys. Well, it's the only explanation for that haircut. You're also not considering the 3D chess move here also, because making the kids believe that they can do it might inspire the parents to join in. Okay. No one's playing 3D chess dropped out. because it's not that well written. So, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. They're playing checkers at best. It's checkers at best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was such a sly joke. She said it so quietly. <laughs> it's checkers at best. Well, they're just playing tic-tac-toe is what's happening here, okay? Maybe they're playing Korean Go. Global thermonuclear war. Letters. I was going to say that too. Maybe they're playing Connect 4. <laughs> so let me let me go ahead and eat shit on that count. I insisted that they were in the Gulf, but after looking at the map, apparently they're on the Atlantic coast. I, I don't know how they got there, if they transported everybody by boat around the tip of Florida or took everybody overland and somehow they didn't realize they were being taken overland all the way to the Georgia coast. I don't know. But according to the map, they are on the Georgia coast around Savannah because they are on St. Andrew's Sound, and that is in Savannah. So Maybe in this universe, the end of geography Florida just fell off. I mean, the hurricane could have wiped it out. I don't know. That's where they dug that big ditch for the Maybe Tales they- episode. <laughs> <laughs> they just Chattahoochee. Or West, one or the other. Maybe they caught a ride on an alligator, and just the alligator just toted them all the way across Florida and Alabama over to Georgia, the Georgia coast. They took the beer balloon. 
Well, I had also said that in one of the episodes, I think it was that I said that the port was probably Port of Savannah. The shipping containers were there. When I looked at the map and did some coordination with some of the landmarks there as well, it looked like, and there's further evidence of this that I'll say in a second there. You're right. It was uh, St. Saint, Saint Andrews. St. Andrews sound. What's he sound like? Like St. Elmo's fire, but like the wish version. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the St. Simmons sound, and there's also the St. Andrew sound. And St. Andrew sound is near... Why is St. Andrew sound? <laughs> hey, you're wearing a new shirt, too. Now I just saw it. It's St. Elmo's fire, but... Oh, oh okay. Damn. <laughs> St. Simmons Sound and St. Andrew Sound oh, are gosh. near Jekyll Island. Which... So, <laughs> which is where the Walking Dead, the beginning part of Walking Dead season ten, was filmed. I'm sorry. They're super, super close to my hometown of Jacksonville, which I find really cool. Oh, I noticed that they were, yeah, they were getting close. Yeah. I've been to Jekyll Island several times. So there is more evidence that they are in Tennessee, and it's the train car number of where the all oh, the radiation I thought, equipment is. I thought you were going to be like. There's more evidence. I'm right. <laughs> Turns what, out. Did you say Tennessee? That is what I said. In not quite explicit terms. Did you say Tennessee? How are they? Tennessee. They're on, but they're on water, Dave. I was talking about where they were, like where the train car was. Now they're all up in Tennessee. How far are these people walking? Padre spreads from Texas to Tennessee to Georgia to Florida is, is what you're Texas. saying. They were in Louisiana where they got picked up. But the train car with all the medical equipment, the radiotherapy equipment, is train car mm -hmm. 960053. I actually looked this up, and it's actually the train number for the Norfolk, I'm sorry, the Norfolk Southern Passenger Car in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, if you do a Google map search by foot and by car, it's a 40-hour walk from King County, and it's a one-hour, 45-minute drive, too. So Shrike could have been there and back to King County and back to the train car, or and or... The and I actually I did another Google search from where the train might have been. Are you counting the time that you have to stop and sleep and eat and pee though? Because if you're going by Google, they do not take that and kill things. Out. Sure, I mean, but even yeah, still, like, what's like in the, in this universe and telling these stories? This is not really a spoiler, Bridget. This is like Game of Thrones in season seven and eight, where they just like teleport all over the fucking country. There's no time <laughs> frame for anything. They're in Winterfell, and then all of a sudden they're in King's Landing, and it's like the next episode, and there's no mention of any time passing. So it feels Travel. like they're there immediately. If you're saying that Padre stretches from Texas to Tennessee. Or even, oh, even Louisiana, because that's right, basically, is Tex Texas. So Louisiana to Tennessee to Georgia to Florida. That's a hell of a lot of fucking area to cover. Well, where are you basing Florida off of, though? If they were in Louisiana, they had to go across Florida to get to Georgia. Because mm -hmm. of the, the top part. The or they had to go around Florida. Part. Well, anything is possible, but they're in the same general area. I'm just saying that's a very large area to be covering if you're just one small group of people. Well, even I said that, but it's possible that they're a lot bigger than they seem. Or at least they have a lot more people working for Padre than it seems. Or they are part of a larger faction. And who knows how much they've segmented themselves off of each other. You have the baby stealers. What are they called again? The collectors. collectors. They have people who repair things. They have people who are armed, adults who are armed. They have prefects who are armed, the teenagers. 
They have the eggs in training. <laughs> They're mostly segmented off from each other, except for the prefects. I wonder if that's June's only jar of fingers or if she has more, because she, she would have got six fingers if she'd cut off Dwight and Sherry's in the episode. So that was all in one day. Can you imagine how many she got over seven years? She's got to have more than one jar. There's got to be a lot of fingerless people running around there. Yeah, there's more jars that we didn't see. It's probably where the ammo is. This is to help you pull the trigger. <laughs> all these fingers. In case you lose yours, I'll attach another. Ew. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And also the map itself shows a little bit of Tennessee. Well, a lot of bit of Tennessee, too. So there's Norfolk a lot of Tennessee Southern landmarks. Yep. Norfolk Southern would also be originating yeah. out of Virginia. Yeah. It connects. Yeah, it connects the two, essentially. Yeah. Norfolk Southern. Well, uh, I mean, just Chattanooga, forget Tennessee. South Carolina. I mean, travel, North Carolina, I guess. <laughs> like, we just right. teleport. Would the travel time be any different if they stuck to just the train tracks? Because we saw Mo on that little old-timey thing so if that's how they're getting to and from all these places quickly maybe that's a quicker way to travel i don't know yeah i mean that that was part of a bigger train too so it's anybody's mm. guess and that thing it's when called it's, a, it's called a walking, hand car but it's whatever yeah whatever what, did you, you know. did you used to have one because yeah. you're old <laughs> well until they upgraded my uh my Burn. hardware and then I moved up to steam power. And then when they upgraded to circuitry, I'm saying I was originally a train car. Oh, okay. The David, you know, the dun, train. Dun, dun, but you were the tank engine. Engine. Before that, was you were a caboose. Hand, hand car. Man, you started with St. Andrew's Fire. <laughs> Andrew's Sound. <laughs> yeah, get it right, Dave. Hey, folks, it's your friend Dave Cameo. And I'm just taking a break from editing this episode to tell you a couple of things. At this point in the conversation, we kind of go on to complain about having a lack of space, meaning where we are in the world. Where are these episodes taking place? What is the passage of time? We lack a little bit of geography, and it's not uncommon for many podcasters to talk about feeling that this episode is lacking because of it. I'm not one of those folks, and I make that very clear. However, I took it out of the conversation because this conversation basically took about roughly 30 to 40 minutes, which would have increased this episode's runtime to about one hour and 45 minutes on the low side. If you want the unedited episode recording of this conversation, you can head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. It might be something that you'd be interested in because it might reflect some of the things that you've been feeling and thinking. I didn't feel that way, and if the story is good enough, that should be all anybody ever needs but the ladies did bring up a good argument one more thing the train car 960053 i did replace the image i used in the youtube stream with the one that is actually in savannah georgia the research i was originally going by was a picture in the locomotive museum or the train museum or the, i forget what it's called in chattanooga tennessee where they had that train car there for the interim i think it was in 1999 but i replaced it with the image that i later researched of the train car in the museum in savannah georgia the end result of this is a it was my fault that we went on that yarn and i'm glad we took it out of the conversation because it was based off of faulty research on my end so sorry ladies my bad secondly by all accounts from what evidence we've gathered over the course of these episodes a they were picked up in louisiana that is 100 confirmed B, however, wherever the island of Padre is, perhaps in the Gulf, whenever they're going to the mainland, it seems to me that every time they do go, they're in Georgia. And yes, Georgia is a big state. However, it seems like that's what they're going with. And when you are looking for little bits of logistical info on the show, assume that they're probably in Georgia. That being the case, 
it might help you to be more immersed in these episodes and have a sense of at least where you might be. And all the places they are fast traveling <laughs> seem to at least be within the realm of possibility. Without further ado, enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you for listening. Can I be honest with you? I think some of the reason why I feel like I have to push back is because I have that sneaking suspicion as evidenced by the fact that the next episode is going to air at 10 o'clock, a show that's been on for eight seasons, introducing a new show at the nine o'clock slot rather than at the 10 o'clock spots. So 10 o'clock or 11, whatever, whatever slot it was going to be on. And I get why they're doing it. I know why they're doing it, because it's a hot new show. It's got the Walking Dead audience and it's giving them what they want. And you can't win, and it's hard to be AMC and trying to figure these things out. I don't know why they're airing it on the same night. Maybe they want to end Fear the Walking Dead a certain way, a shitty way. I don't know. I don't know. But you can't escape the fact that when you do something like this to a show that's been on for eight seasons, you diminish its gravitas, or you try you try to say, we don't care anymore. We don't care anymore. We don't care about the show anymore. They've proven that by the fucking writing this season. They don't care. Well, on top of the writing, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is that maybe they feel like, well, we're phoning it in folks, or we're just using the first draft. It's it's a sneaking suspicion. I haven't really complained too much about any of the episodes, save for one and three. And even then mildly, I've been kind of just trying to take it episode by episode because honestly, I have a job to do. And part of that is handholding a lot of it, trying to see the positives in each episode, because it's really easy to go down that road. It is because I don't, I tell myself every time before we come on, I'm not going to bitch about it, but then we start talking and it just fucking comes out. I am so angry and disgusted with what they've because done. Because of how much you've invested too. Right. And, and I, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I don't want to say I've wasted my time because obviously I've gotten a lot of wonderful things out of it, but I feel like they're just destroying something that I loved and destroying it right fucking in front of me. I hate it when I talk to strangers about the show because I have a Walking Dead tattoo and people see it at work and they're like oh what is that and i tell them is that and show like, still on mm-hmm. yeah right. stuff like that and a lot of people still complain about the main show too and it's hard and i used to throw in you should watch fear the walking dead and i won't even do that now i don't even bring it up you know what mm-hmm. yeah watch fear four through six then you're good that's all you need <laughs> stop at six but you never know who mm-hmm. you're gonna encounter who's watched one through three and said i stopped watching it for me this is a weird argument to make because growing up i was always the outsider changing schools all the time, having to make friends all over again. I liked things that nobody else liked. I was from a family who from another country. I wore funny clothes for most of my childhood. So I got used to feeling weird, <laughs> left out until like middle school. And then like, why do you like me? I've always felt not right. So it made it really easy later on watching The Walking Dead, people saying, is this show still on? And be like, yeah, it's on and it's great. And here's mm-hmm. why. You know, if it's other people, I really Can don't care. I love what I love. Fear, yeah, I still do that with fear. I love what I love. And there's reasons why I love it. And last episode, I was so proud of it. I was very proud of it. Our breakdown of it was very super sweet. And even this one, to a certain extent, got me emotional in certain spots. The cinematography was incredible. Mm-hmm. I will say that. The device of using Grace mm-hmm. in that manner, every scene. When Dwight and Morgan and Grace were being chased by the boat and it showed the wide shot of them and the boat coming up. Man, that was beautiful. But the cinematography has always been fucking choice on Fear of the Walking Dead. It's one of the things I loved about it the first time was how beautifully mm-hmm. it was shot. And they have managed to keep that. The shots in the swamp and stuff, that's beautiful. But- I think they took a less is more approaches with this season too to make up for maybe... Their choice of color grading, right, in seasons seven and even five, and well, even four, mostly four and seven, 
a lot of people complained about the color grading in season four. Things looking too dark and blue mm. and whatnot and too saturated in the past scenes. In this season, I feel like they took the feedback and said, okay, less is more. Let's do less is more. And they used it a little bit more effectively and in the right spots. Okay. My number one example is on top of the obvious choice of Grace floating down the river, which I thought was emotional. The scene before that, when that scene opens up and her eyes open up to the torn roof on the covered truck, it felt suffocative. I felt like I was in a deep well, which some some people describe being on the verge of death is looking through a a light, you know, through looking at life through a tunnel, and and it yeah, and it, it evoked that kind of feeling that you, I'm I'm on my way to death. I I can't quite stay alive. I can't quite hang in there. And so I got that feeling from that from that shot. And every time we're led in through each of these scenes through Grace's eyes, like I said, there's things that you can love about this, epi- this these episodes on an individual level. Well, yeah, I mean, I oh, I love. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm not saying yeah, like they're... like if the show, I hate everything. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like right. I'm saying like I'm, I'm disa- saying that I'm disappointed at certain. None of us are. I'm disappointed at certain right. points. And this what I brought up last season too. Like I just don't like being treated like the audience is stupid. We're right, not super dumb. We're not dumb. And I'm not saying you have to show every little thing, but give us something. But there are parts of this that I really really enjoyed seeing Morgan save a child, his child, by not failing to just put Grace down. His story came full circle. Finally, Mm -hmm. we finally got the redemption that he wanted. And you felt like you were getting it in this last episode. It even went a step further and he was able to save his daughter from Grace who was attacking. It was like exactly how Dwayne had gone down. Right. He got to relive that moment and actually succeed. He got to relive it and Mm -hmm. do exactly what he needed to. And so we finally got to see that. So that was beautiful. I was so thankful for that. And I was thankful for it because he put her down and then he puts her body down so gently <laughs> put her down gently he puts her down <laughs> so <laughs> you got to put him do, down Rachel, quiet. Do it. <laughs> he puts her down so gently and that part is really beautiful and Karen David's acting was over the top phenomenal with those final words to Mo and in even Mo's acting as as a young actress it was great everything about that was good I'll even give you although the Dwight and Cherry scenes were very short the acting there was phenomenal it was over the top because mm-hmm. you felt like they felt a real connection to this kid and although that kid is 30 playing like 10 or whatever <laughs> <laughs> he's like Luke Perry in, in 90210 90210 yeah, I probably looked like that at 15 like a um, seven-year-old <laughs> <laughs> Great casting choice. He looks like the two of them. He does. Mm. He looks he like really does. Do you know who I see when I look at Finch? <laughs> Nick Stahl. He looks oh, like Riley. Oh come, on. oh, come on. We know what you're all about. Oh, come on. You got, you got, you got Nick Stahl on the brain, young lady. <laughs> he does. Well, I mean. I think he's uh, of age, right? You can date. No, he's just a little boy. No, stop it. You're disgusting. You are disgusting. Hey, Bridget made the joke about him being 30, so I'm just running with it. If he was 30, it'd be different. The good news is Grace is officially Rachel's type. Yeah, Grace is officially Rachel's type. The unavailable. Grace was looking looking especially nice this episode. Karen David on the market. (laughs) (laughs) Mix all. (laughs) I don't hate the show. 
I'm in it till the end. I'm just disappointed that they're not really trying, and it's coming through loud and clear. And I'm not talking yeah. about the actors. I'm not talking about the crew. No. I'm talking about the right the writing. The actors are fabulous. Everything is great, except the fucking writing. I apologize to anyone who's listening right now, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't ever want to be this podcast where I was like so salty." Same. So just know that we love the show, and I'm so disappointed. <laughs> like I'm gonna cry. This is so stupid. It's just a TV show. I'm so disappointed that we're not getting the send off that this show truly deserves. That these actors mm-hmm. deserved for their work that the crew deserve for their work. I'm going to be here every step of the way and I am going to hope mercilessly that I am wrong and that everything comes full circle and is wrapped up nice and tidy like on The Walking Dead because that ending was what we deserved. Yeah, that was beautiful. Maybe they have robots writing this season. (laughs) That's why the writers are on strike. That is racist, Rachel. (laughs) Really? Like, really? (laughs) That's why they're on strike? Wait. Yeah. Did... Is that what happened? Did the fear writers go on strike early and they, (laughs) the fear writers have been on strike and they let chat GPT has been writing this uh, this season? Guys, seriously, but not seriously. What if like you've been disparaging me this whole time because I've been writing this last season? That's why he's so like vehemently fighting against the copies of me have been no, it's really good. Can you imagine your robot brethren? We're all patting each other on the back and they're all me. (laughs) This is genius. Good job, David. Good job, David. Great job, David. Yes, you too, David. So wait, you're saying so we're we're saying we're saying the writing is mansplaining to everybody. I mean. It feels a little like it, doesn't it? <laughs> if you put an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of typewriters, eventually one of them will reproduce Shakespeare. I, I don't think our monkeys are Shakespeare. Mm. No, I, I don't think so either. <laughs> Maybe they only have a thousand typewriters. I'm going to reiterate it a couple times. It's that she's got jokes tonight. It is hard to like this writing for sure. Doesn't help that it's the last season. And I don't know about you guys. I definitely think that they could have used more episodes, even if they were going to be a little bit longer to tell this story the right way. Like just put a fine point on some of these stories, get some of the technicals just right. Like you mentioned, I'm not saying it's hard to please everybody. I warned about that in the first episode. This show is going to break even by pleasing most people or trying to please most people. It's going to fail at pleasing everybody. There are going to be people who said this fucking season blew loads in your face because it hates you and disrespects you. <laughs> but wow, <laughs> I, I do think that in the process of trying to please everybody, they're going to please, they're not going to please a lot of people, especially the critics, because they're never happy anyway. When it comes to us, that's when it draws the line, though. Once it starts reaching us, that's when it's going to start really dividing us and being hard to watch. I'm not going to be entirely happy this season without Sarah. There's no pleasing me entirely unless you kill off Madison and bring back Sarah. That's another thing. No Sarah, no Wendell, not even a mention of them. How hard would it have been to say, oh, we've to dated their rap sync or something. Mm-hmm. Something, something. Specific but no, they're just gonna, about these characters. Just not even going to ever mention them again. They just vanished off the face of the earth. And I can see it with Wendell and I can see it with Rabbi Jacob, but Sarah was a series regular. I think she deserved better. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, Tales creators. Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of like my hope. My silver lining is the less they mention, the greater of a chance that there's something they can do with that. Because well, the fact of the matter is they're not going to do it on fear. Even if they don't give us, oh, these characters died, they could still mention 
them. I mean, we've yeah, talked like, about Charlie, we've talked Charlie about Luciana. Luciana yeah. we, so why not mention these other characters, even in an open-ended conversation? We don't have to have, I saw them get eaten by a shark. <laughs> Shout out, Sharon D. If you get the <laughs> files, then you can find out what happened to Sarah and her brother. No, we're only concerned about Charlie and Luciana. Oh, the Padre files. I didn't know what you're talking about. I thought you meant my computer files because I wrote the show. <laughs> get the... Damn it, Dave. That's from, Write you it know better. how they call Padre 3 and Padre 2? It's David 3, David 2. <laughs> Gotta call in the different <laughs> oh, Davids that wrote the show. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Could not please one. you? Are Did you like multiplicity where you can make a copy of a copy and it just gets a little thinner? Like a dumber. Just degrades. <laughs> yeah. like, like the Matrix. Guys, let's be honest. The first one ain't that great. <laughs> oh, stop. Oh, stop. We're starting with a rotten batch oh, already. Stop it. <laughs> oh, like, Rachel's like making the face like, I didn't want to say it, but... <laughs> Stop. No, we don't think that. I don't want to say that. Not even, even going to justify that with a comment. I'm just kidding. There are no bad yeah. robots, just bad programmers. Don't make me call David Carranza. I'll take that. Because right? Carranza will give you the, the lift your ego needs right now. What about some Easter eggs? Yeah, let's talk about Easter eggs. Grace's Place. Carousel. Yeah. Right. The, the drawing carousel of the carousel on the wall. The carousel. Oh, yeah. I did love that. Did I also see a little microscope? In that room. I didn't, but I'll look. I thought maybe. I saw a little microscope and I was like, oh, because Grace is like a scientist, right? Yeah, I thought she was. Long pause. She could have been, I, I don't really know. I assumed that she was. The fact yeah. that she was able to work medical equipment and that she worked in a nuclear plant. Maybe we should call her like physicist, not scientist, maybe? I don't even know. She could have been like Thomas, a radio she tech. She could have been a janitor. <laughs> and then when everything went to shit, she just kind of jumped in and took over. <laughs> she could have been. No, I feel That's like she true. mentions working on her team with like the other people. Yeah. Who she were could trying have had to a janitorial team. They were trying to stop the leak a from happening. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. a leak in a toilet. That's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I really miss Sorry, that I just, situation. I'm joking. I'm just going off of Sharon. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, it seems like she knew what she's doing on that yeah. front. I see what kind yeah. of physicist. I'm with you, Does Rachel. I assume she's a scientist. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm. I just don't know. I just I don't know. Maybe I made yeah. a leap. But that's what it's I funny. always thought. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it was for for baby Mo. Maybe it's like, oh, uh-huh. here's what we used to look at things in microscopes. It's and like stuff. after the first nuclear fallout <laughs> thing. Like, how much can I pay attention to anybody talking about anything having to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> Anymore, sure. I should mention that the coordinates that Grace gives Dwight slash Morgan they fall thousands of miles west of Morocco. So I kept trying through many what? different configurations of those coordinates. They don't fall anywhere in the United States. They're in the ocean. See, he didn't want to bring this up earlier when we were complaining. Please take me here to the middle of the ocean where we'll all drown. No wonder they were like, uh, we're not going there. (laughs) What what is this, Grace? It's it's where we live in in Atlantis. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all speak Arabic. No, I said Atlantis. Oh, Grace is crazy. I don't die. The way he says it, the delivery is so funny, dude. Well, you know, we also have to bring up the birds. I'm just warning you from now. 
Oh, I know. I didn't even bother to look it up because I was like, Dave looked it up. <laughs> I know it was did. Kingfisher and Magpies. Yeah. Magpies are super, super smart. They're like crows and ravens. Smarter a little bit. Well, smarter and dumber. They can mimic human speech. And yet they're dumb because they like going for shiny objects. <laughs> so do we, though. But, well, dumber. Yeah. Gold, after dark. Silver. <laughs> there is something I did right. want to bring up, though. Do you think Mo at the end of the episode helping the prefects and all the kids probably helping to who knows? Do you think this is a long con or do you think she's genuinely on board with Padre and she's like Who's rejecting? Conning? I don't think she's on board with oh. Padre. I think she's doing it to save Morgan so Morgan doesn't have to do it because she was like, Padre has been lying to you. And blah. I don't think she's on board with Padre at all. This is what you want. Strike. Oh, fine. I'll do it. Leave my daddy alone. <laughs> it's not for you. It's for my dad. His reaction was my reaction when she's like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And he's like, she's not going to help you with that. I was like, yeah, dude, exactly. <laughs> what? what? What dialogue is this? What's this lady Bridget wrote the do? show. I no, <laughs> I won't take credit for this one. All right, oh, I'll, no. I'll, oh, we'll no, go back don't. to me. Oh, Sorry. no, you don't. You're not putting this one that on me. you, robot. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Where are you, what do you think she's at mentally? Is is she doing a little complicated sort of her own Shrike th third level chess or is it simple? No. I, she's going one side or the other. My knee jerk reaction, initial feeling was kind of what I said earlier. When I'm going through something, I just want to focus on something else. I want to take my mind off the thing that's bothering me. So I feel like maybe she's throwing herself into this to not think about what she just went through. And whatever happens afterwards happens afterwards. I'm not committed this way or that, but this is what I'm doing now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I gave like a big eye roll when it happened because in my head, I was like, this is such a typical teenage thing to do. Yes, she's not a teenager. These kids are living in the apocalypse, so it's different. They're not going to be an eight-year-old that's grown up playing Super Nintendo and doesn't know anything about the real yeah. world. That's not how this world works. I can get beyond that, the 30-year-olds playing children. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. And isn't that what makes it scarier? Oh, really? You don't want to feel this way anymore? You're just going to give up everything, all of your morals and beliefs? So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got a little weird. I don't know what happened. I was like, what's happening right now? Hey, <laughs> little shit. Wait, little, little cry, baby, Mo. Cry. Cry, baby. We used to call you baby, Mo, you, you crying little bitch. Season seven. So what is, I wish you'd shut up. Anyway, happened. sorry. Go ahead. Really I'm channeled, joining Bridget on this crazy train right now. There. I'm not sure. <laughs> you put your father through so much. And your mother. It's your fault, you know. Anyway, sorry. Oh, Rachel, you were no. about to say something. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm a little bit on either side of the fence on this one. I'm, I really don't know what's happening here, particularly because of the writing. My heart <laughs> wants to believe that we're doing something complex, kind of like in seasons past. See, I'm trying to reveal my cards a little bit more. My brain is going, don't fall for it. It's not as complicated as you think it's going to be. Oh, but Maybe I'm going to hold like out hope Rachel's it is, saying. Dave. I'm going to be like, yeah, you're tricking them. This is good. Yep, you're going to trick them good. <laughs> to what end? <laughs> is that the end goal here? To kill Shrike? I wasn't even thinking that far ahead. I was just thinking about this moment of trying to rid the walkers in the shipping yard. Is it just to get her mind off of her mother's death? Is it trying to save her father? I don't know. And actually, this is to Zoe Merchant's credit. She plays it off really well. She gives these monologues in a way that's refreshing that, oh, I'm listening. 
even I'm on board with her. Oh, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's actually, let's go. I'm a 44 year old man. I'm with you. Let's go. I'm a prefect now. <laughs> great <laughs> I'm a casting. Great I'm a prefect choice. now. <laughs> He's playing a 16 year old. He's playing yeah, a 16 year old. My shoulder isn't quite working. 16 year old. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm playing an 18 year old. It's, I'm aging out a little bit. <laughs> you can't give me that much credit. I'm preparing myself for whatever is inside of these containers to be a huge letdown. I think it's fair. I feel like we're being set up for something and I'm not going to allow myself to get excited about it. If they have left food products, clothing, anything like that in those containers, non-climate controlled in Georgia for 12 years, Mm -mm. everything in there is going to be rotting and full of mold. Anything less than Sarah being in in those containers is going to be a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you thought of something that was like... She's got a brewery in there. She's been cranking out beer and hanging out in one of the containers. making beer the whole time. What did you expect? (laughs) What took you so long? All the supplies are gone. It's just filled up with cases of beer now. (laughs) This beer is called dirt. It's it's made from fertilizer. (laughs) This this beer is called Eagle, and this one is Hawk, and this one is Dove. They're all prefects. This one is Dodo Bird, and this one is Great Tit. Right. This one's right. Blue-footed booby. <laughs> yeah, blue-footed booby. <laughs> but I kind of like what you were saying, Rachel, is that what if this is all for naught? We're putting a lot of expectations on these on these shipping containers, and they happen to contain nothing. Shrike doesn't even know it, and it's like, what was all this for? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Morgan at the end of the last episode. What was all this? I put you mm-hmm. in danger. I put you in danger. And I'd be curious. Danger, danger. High voltage. (laughs) How would you react if all of this was for nothing, too? I want to see that. I want to see Shrike fall apart. Yo, I want her dad to be one of the dead that comes out and, like, bites her or some shit. Her dad is still in there. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she has a moment, like Morgan, too, where it's like, I can't do it or make the kids do it. Maybe dad bites Crane. And she can't save him. Just as he was about to in the past. Mm-hmm. Listen, like I said, my heart is there. My mind is like guarded. Here's where we're at. I'll take this one episode by episode. I would like to see a symmetry between Shrike and Morgan, Shrike and Baby Mo. See if the ghosts from her past come back to finally see how it feels to be her. There was also a little bit of um, parallel between June and John and Morgan and Grace in that he got there just a second too late. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He had to put Grace down. Oh, not that. I was thinking of Daniel and Ophelia, too. Oh, yeah, I thought about I was that, too. that as well. It's all bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's all bad. Yeah. Oh, Bridget. Mm. Let me brighten it up a little bit with the reminder that the little hug between Dwight and Daniel, because oh, it's easy to forget that. that they were buds in season five and rode around in the swatty with Sarah and Daniel cut his hair and all that stuff. So I really loved that yeah. little, it was just a little thing, just a little hug as they met each other. And then that was it. But I was like, oh, <laughs> His face pubes. Face pubes. I'm sorry. Face pubes. Face pubes. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because as we were talking about gr- what Grace was trying to do and she was trying to put satellite dishes and solar panels in the back of that truck in season five, it was, right? Well, it does bring us back to Daniel having to get on that walk and go, I'm so sorry, Grace, because he was the one who spent time with her. It was 210 words per minute, I think it was, or no? Mm-hmm. No, that was the one where they were in the mall. 
It was the one after that, I think, with the beta reveal. Remember the album that falls out in her stack of albums? Not leave what you oh. don't, take what you need. Him having to tell her that he's sorry. It's kind of interesting because it, it, there's this interesting parallel to what she was trying to do with the repeater station. And it evoked that episode all over again. She, just like a lot of our characters trying to recreate the circumstances of what they were trying to do before. She's one of them. Daniel's still here. And Daniel has to let her down easy. And they had that singing part at the end of the episode that made me a little emotional too. It was the yeah, when Wolverines. they played the guitar together. Mm, she he played the guitar and she was singing. No, she played the guitar and he was singing. No. They together. also sing together at John and June's. They sing together at John and June's wedding too. So I thought that was a touching moment too. It's a good episode when you can hit all the emotions. Yeah, I guess so. As sad as it was, I think this was a good episode. I think it was a necessary episode facing what you need to face. I think it's bold that they took out a main character as well. And I've mentioned this right after the episode aired in my head, also in the spoiler chat in Discord. It's a lot more than what they did in The Walking Dead at the, at the last season. Taking out somebody who's a little bit above, like, say, a Luke in my eyes. I mean, the Fear cast is a little bit on the smaller side compared to The Walking Dead. And their story is a little bit more intimate than these grand narratives. Did you compare Grace to Luke? Well, in the way that she, to me, is a little bit more on the important side of the cast, let's say. Nothing against the Luke character, but I think Grace is far more important on fear than Luke was on Walking Dead. That's what I, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah, he was saying it's oh, like a higher okay, level, then I, a higher level death right. than Luke's death. Yeah. I thought you were comparing Grace to Luke. In the effort to explain the deaths that they had in the Walking Dead versus... It's more okay. on the side of Rosita. It's not quite, right. more exactly. towards that side. And that was at the last episode. They got rid of all their deaths in the last episode, essentially. And this is by far not the last episode. And I also kind of think, I don't think, and maybe this is something that we can bring up, is do you think this is the last main character death? No. Which would put it a little higher in <sighs> my mind. And I, I disclaimer, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, deaths for deaths. Like, let's have death for the sake of death or death with meaning. I think there'll be at least one more. I think at least Morgan will die before the end of the series. Ooh, bold prediction. That's not my prediction. I don't know. I hope so, but... I'm particular on how it's done. Like you just said, David, I don't want death for the mm -hmm. sake of death. If we're going to lose our main characters, I want it to be done well. And I'm, and I'm nervous. For me, it's more, I hope it drives the story. It doesn't have to have meaning. It doesn't have to have purpose. What happens after the death is just as much, just as important as what happens before the death. Kind of like this episode. I kind of feel like, fuck, I'm choking up even talking. I kind of feel like we might lose Dwight because I think mm. losing Dwight would be surprisingly impactful for a lot of viewers. I think a lot of people would be surprised at how sad it would be to lose Dwight. Oh, I would because that. we've known this character for a long time. And I know it would really fuck me up to watch Dwight die. In a weird way. I feel like Dwight yeah. needs to go to France and reunite with Daryl, though. <laughs> the yin to the yang. My money is on Strand. And then Daryl kills him, because he said he would. <laughs> he said if you come back here, he's not in the same place. He didn't say anything about going to France. Okay, He'd get a Morales, right? She's like, I told you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Bridget, would you be emotionally affected by Strand? I think so. He's He is one of my favorite characters. I've always enjoyed him. I've always thought he brought a sense of levity and drama to the show that I've always really he's enjoyed. Mixed it up. Yeah, he's and and Coleman's such a great actor and mm -hmm. he's like almost Shakespearean. He just has that presence. That's called gravitas, yeah, baby. Yeah, he's he's got it. <laughs> His manner of speaking is so 
beautiful. He's so eloquent. My money's on Strand, and I think it's to make up for what happened with Alicia specifically to Madison. I think he will finally make a sacrifice. And I would love that ending for him, because as sad as that would make me, it would show that he had grown and that he had changed over the years. We saw a little bit of it, and then they backpedaled so hard on it in season seven. So I really would like to see him grow in that way. I think that that could happen. I don't want anybody to die. We've lost Same. enough characters yeah. already because mm -hmm. they just washed them right out. I honestly only mm -hmm. want one character to die, and it's not Morgan. It's Madison. Me too. I mean, she's already dead, so it shouldn't be too big of a deal to kill her off again. Yeah, in a sense, she's a lot like Morgan. She's on borrowed time in a weird way. I think she could. I think she's she could have time. a redemption arc that involved her sacrificing herself for kids or, or whatever. In a way, wouldn't even Madison dying, in a sense, be a little rote? She's already off the show once because we thought she died. Do you know what I mean? This time we get to see it. I mean, this time we I, see it. We see her dead body. But would it serve the story? That's that's all I care about. I don't know. And that's the thing I won't know. Maybe Troy comes back and hits her in the head with a hammer. It absolutely could serve the story, though. Any one of our characters could sacrifice themselves for someone else. Especially Madison, because she just, she loves that shit. See, I'm not thinking sacrifice at all. I'm just thinking, my point of view has been mostly of shock. And as a result of that shock, either before or afterwards, it ratchets up the story. I mean, if you're going to go out, it's the last season. Go out in a bang, do some crazy shit and write it well. At this point, you have to do that. Yeah, we're the variants, bruh. <laughs> well, Grace <laughs> is a small step in that right direction. Again, as much as I don't want people to die for myself, but also for myself, I want a good story. And if you have to throw bodies at it, throw bodies at it, make it count. Because you yeah. can use these things to push these characters forward in ways that are believable and also makes for a good story. And this was a good story. I think, and I think you might all agree, the way Grace goes out, it's almost a best case scenario. Her deck was double stuffed Oriole stacked <laughs> and it made sense, but they used it to give you like a moral lesson in a sense. Do you choose to do everything that you can or do you spend the time that you have left with the people that you love do you chase that thing or do you stop and just say hey we're here i'm going to spend as much time as and i like the struggle but the tension between those two ideas so they used it right technically she still spent a lot of time where they were wasn't the issue right i mean it was to grace kind of but they still spent the time together exactly so the only, the only one who wasn't there lesson. was morgan you know morgan wasn't there but she got to spend the time with mo and i feel like she and morgan really could have spent time together Anytime during that seven years, because, you know, you can't tell me there wasn't a way they could slip away and see each other if they really, really wanted to without Padre finding They must out. have a little, I feel like, because their connection was still there. They still love each other. Or found excuses, I'm yeah. sure. Like, oh, I got to hmm, pick up Mo some Mo was apologizing supplies. for costing them time, but like Grace said, you know, she gave him more time than she knew. But whether they'd been at the at the house or whether they were on the train, she still got to spend time with her before she died. By and at end. least Mo had the sat not the satisfaction, I guess it's not really the, the right word, but I'm going to use that, the satisfaction of doing everything she could. Because what if she had taken Grace back to the little house and then she died and then she would have questioned herself her entire life. Yep. What if I could have saved her? She can live with it this never would have been enough. She can and live she, with right. And now she knows that she did everything she could and she couldn't save her and she still got to spend time with her. Maybe it wasn't the most quality time, 
but it was still time. And that leaves Mo not blaming herself for the rest of her life for mm-hmm. not being able to save Grace. Mm-hmm. Well, it seemed like Grace really resigned yeah. herself to that. That's exactly what I was going to say. And not yeah. only that, she got an unexpected result of people kind of taking it out of her hands and not reverting to the person that she was trying to be in season five. I think she was really proud of her daughter for really doing her best. She knew at the end of the day that she could take care of herself and she she was capable and maybe even took some traits from from early Morgan. Do everything you can, oh, I can't stop. And I gotta, we gotta save you. I can't lose you. That's Morgan, that's baby Mo, but in a different package. So it's a little bit more digestible, I guess. But I think she was very proud of her. And I think, isn't that all? what we all want as parents is to know that when they leave the nest that they can take care of themselves and they can be all right and maybe even be happy he made another doing bird so. pun this guy has bird puns <laughs> well that easily transitions us to the birds in this episode they are again these, these symbolisms we were typically doing it for the person that was called that but really this pertains more to we these episodes. We literally knew nothing about these people. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Their faces were <laughs> Magpies, they help you master the art of persuasion while avoiding superficiality. They communicate clearly, prominently, and with eloquence. It could even learn human words, teaches you to be mindful of the words you use when interacting with others. It helps you strike the right balance between idle chatter and accurate self-expression. The magpie's affinity for shiny, lovely things teaches humans not to let appearances lead you astray. Magpies mate for life. The male feeds the female whilst incubating her eggs and continuing to do so after one month after the brood hatches. So the male ends up taking care of the brood while the mother goes out to hunt. Magpie illustrates equal partnership and devotion in marriage. And isn't that a little like Grace and Morgan in a sense? A little bit of equality in their in their relationship? Yeah. Even explaining the difference between idle chatter and superficiality, there's a superficiality that as much as Grace is well-intentioned, that's not what's important. The, the world before isn't what's important, let's say. What is important is like striking that balance between trying to give her something for, of what was with where we are now and just spending as much time as possible with the ones that we love now, where we are. And so I, I kind of like that imagery. But let's go to the Kingfisher. <laughs> the Kingfisher helps you adapt to new terrain with bold determination, fortitude, and perseverance. Helps you to transition to change. Among the Northwest Native American tribes, it represents abundance, prosperity, and love. Its speed and agility in hunting makes it a symbol of prowess and proficiency, also a symbol of fertility. Dreams of a Kingfisher mean you have rightfully stepped into a rightful place of authority, the weight of which you are keenly aware. If it looms overhead in your dreams, it means someone or something hovers menacingly over you, making you feel undeserving, often through lies and gossip. You must believe you are worthy of the respect and love bestowed upon you to take control. When the Kingfisher flies along the water's edge, an exciting adventure is heading your way, finally being free from some long-term danger. A dream where old and young Kingfishers gather together means pay attention to your family. Pay attention to your family. So I thought that was a little bit kind of beautiful and also kind of robbing you. Flying close to water means you're finally free from that danger. This is the point at which Grace is kind of like giving up on her own dream of going back to her repeater station. We're too far now. It's too late. And the last bit about the young and the old Kingfishers meeting together in your dream means that you should pay attention to your family. And that's when Grace finally gets it. As a mother, this is what I should want. My daughter to be okay before I go. I did it. He made it. He made it through it. Because I was like literally tearing up while I was trying to write that. (laughs) It was kind of beautiful. Even the part about like whom I consider maybe Morgan at the time. Sometimes people kind of berate him for being the leader on the show, which is being a growing sentiment that people are resigning themselves to at this point. 
rather than Madison, rather than June, rather than... So I thought that was a little extra thing for me personally. But then it goes to family. Folks, it's been a long night. If you like what you've heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us what we may have missed. <laughs> I'm guessing we might have missed a couple things. Remember to tell us after every episode. And if you really like what you've heard, consider... First of all, following us for free on either Kofi or Patreon. It's the only place where we post our recording schedules, which you can attend the recording sessions for free. And should you decide to tip us on Kofi for 30 days of supported back content, you'll receive the unedited episode recordings as well as a whole host of little perks that you receive because we're nice people. And consider maybe even joining for as little as a dollar the walkers tier, which gives you discord access and all those other perks in perpetuity. And as always, the Whispers and Survivor tier members receive shout outs at the end of this episode, which are showing on the screen right now, as well as at the end of the podcast episode, along with 50% off the merch store, which I just threw in the Kofi shop link so that you can always have access to it whenever you need to, which Shandy's showing off now. And so is Bridget, right? Bridget, you have a shirt too. I did I oh, wait, noticed no, it later on me. the episode. <laughs> yes. And in any case, I've been your host, David Cameo. And I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon, aka Blazy Gardener, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. Thanks so much for joining us on this wild and lovely journey. I am going to cool off my circuits in a bit. Why don't you all do the same? We'll see you next week for the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, as well as The Walking Dead, Dead City. How do we do this fucking show? I don't know. I have no idea. I know how are we going to do it. We do it somehow. Just survive somehow. Thank you again for making it to the end of this episode. The fifth episode in Fear the Walking Dead's eighth and final season titled More Time Than You Know. A beautiful, beautiful episode. Grace, aka Karen David, we will definitely, definitely miss you. And as I mentioned before, a perk that the Whisperers and Survivors tier members receive at the end of every episode is a shout out. And you too can join a membership tier at either ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. Starting with the Survivors tier members, we have at Real Ryan GM on on Twitter at Elisa Jones 71 on Instagram or at Jones AJ six on Twitter. And of course, fan art, Lindy, Linda Peck, Athens, who you can reach at KO FI.com slash fan art, Lindy. And on to our whispers here. Members, we have at Judith Morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, who you can reach at KO FI.com slash Aiden Atkin at Tyler Phillip Cox and at J 13 Voorhees on both Instagram and Twitter at Sandy Morrison on Facebook and Takira, who you can reach at KO fi.com slash connie dixon for life that's connie dixon the number four l-y-f-e we can't wait to break down the mid-season finale of fear the walking dead the sixth episode in the eighth and final season as well as we're going to be going live to discuss the series premiere of the walking dead dead city take care until then and in the meantime we are squawking dead we are squawking dead